Welcome to the sermon podcast of Exodus Church, located in Belmont, North Carolina. For more information about our church and the many ways you can be involved, please go to our website at theexoduschurch.org or email us at info at theexoduschurch.org. Um, now, if you'll take your Bible and turn to James chapter 4, uh, we're starting kind of a, a mini-series, I guess, uh, in the book of James around the subject of conflict today. Um, today, we're, this morning, we're talking about the heart of conflict on Thursday night, we're having a special event where we're asked, we've asked Dr. Tony Morita to come and uh, help us with conflict. He's written a book called Christ-Centered Conflict Resolution. Uh, it's Thursday night from 6.30 to 8.30. Child care is available, and we still have some space. So I want to encourage you to sign up. Uh, we're going to open it up to people outside our church uh, starting tomorrow. So if you want to come and want to make sure you have a spot, please go ahead and sign up. And then next week, we'll wrap up uh, this section of James with healing and conflict. And so this morning, we're looking at the heart of conflict. Now, most of us know and understand conflict, okay? Uh, most of us are in, have been in, or about to be in some form of conflict. Uh, maybe you had conflict on your way here this morning. You were, uh, you were trying to get ready, and your spouse was in the bathroom getting ready, wearing a bathrobe, doing what they needed to do, and you asked a very helpful question like, do you realize what time it is? You know, just really helpful things. And then you ask the question, are you ready? Well, clearly, yes. Let's just go right now, you know. And then all the way here, uh, you're sharing things with one another that are incredibly God-honoring. And your, your kids are in the back just trying to stay out of the way, out of the way of friendly fire that's going on. And then you get here and open the door and someone greets you. Hey, 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 how you doing? Fine, good, great, happy to be here, you know. Uh, we, we all kind of know that drill because we've all been in that drill. And, and in that, there are some things about conflict that are on the surface. We might think of that as kind of the, the fruit of conflict. And then there's maybe the, the trunk of that tree that, that are related to conflict. And then there's things that are at the very root of that issue. And that's really what James is going to get at today. James is going to get at what's at the root causing all this stuff that we're, we're seeing in our lives. And what he wants us to understand is that the root or the heart of our conflict with one another is really a conflict with God. That's where he's going to, he's going to go there quick. Okay. In James chapter Four. So I'm going to read James 4, uh, then I'll pray for us, uh, 4, 1 through 6. I'll pray for us, and then we'll jump in so that we can all be helped in this area together. Look at James 4, verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let's pray together. Father, we, uh, we are grateful to be gathered under your word today. 
Uh, Lord, this, this topic and this passage is uh, going to feel all too familiar to us. And so, Lord, we, we need to know what your word says about conflict. We need to know what your word says about our heart in it. Um, but, Lord, we really desperately need to know what your word says about you. And so, Lord, would you, would you show us what verses 5 and 6 remind us of? Would you show us your jealous love for us, even, even as we're an adulterous people? Would you show us your, your jealous love? And, Lord, would you show us your matchless grace that you give to those who are humble? And so, Lord, would you make us people who can not only see those things, but would you make us people who humble ourselves in such a way that we get grace because we desperately need it today. None of us, none of us will escape this, this time in your word without needing grace. So Lord, would you, would you grant it? And would you grant the humility that we need in order to receive it? We can't do that on our own. Holy Spirit, you've, you know every heart, you know every story, you know every person listening. And so, Lord, you can speak in a way I never could. So, Lord, we ask you to do so, and we ask it in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Now, notice, uh, James is asking a question of believers in verse 1. He says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? So he's not talking to people out there. Okay, He's talking to believers. These are people who have been brought forth by the word of truth, who have received the implanted word where God, by his grace, has taken out our old heart and given us a new heart. He's placed his spirit in us and given us a desire to obey his word. So he's talking to believers. And in Ephesians, Paul uses a phrase to talk about the church. He calls the church the bride of Christ. This, this people that God loved, that he sent his one and only son to die for. And Ephesians 5 tells us that Jesus is our husband who gave himself for the church, the bride of Christ. Now that imagery is going to be important in verse 4. But he's talking to Christians here in chapter 4. He also says that God's people are involved in quarrels and fighting. So again, this is not out there. This is in here. That God's people are in quarrels and fighting together. There is conflict in the church. Now, that has always been the case. And until Jesus returns, it will continue being the case. In fact, every letter in the New Testament was written to a church because of a problem. So when I hear people say, man, we ought to be more like the early church, I'm like, did you read the Bible? Like, have you read some of the stuff they were doing? There has always been conflict. There will always be conflict. And James is trying to get at the heart of it. Again, if we think about conflict like a tree, you've got things that are on the, the kind of the fruit of that tree. You've got kind of the trunk and branches maybe, and then you've got roots. He's going to get to roots in a moment. But let's talk about some of the rest of that tree. First, uh, some, maybe some of the fruit of conflict is uh, conflicts caused by poor communication. Um, we talked a few weeks ago from James 3 about the power of words and how uh, words we use can do considerable damage. So you respond to an email too quickly or you post something in a chat at work uh, that does damage. That's um, perhaps unwise, hurtful words that causes conflict. 
or maybe sometimes just a simple breakdown in the exchange of information can cause conflict. So you, you come home and you look at your spouse and you say, hey, remember that thing? And your, your spouse says, uh, wh- what thing? That thing I told you about. Well, uh, no, clearly you did not tell me about it because I don't remember it and it's not on our calendar. You know, that, that kind of, now listen, that's not like malicious. No one sets out to disappoint someone in that way. But sometimes just a breakdown and an exchange of information can create conflict. That happened all the time early in our marriage, all the time. And so we started a long time ago meeting every Sunday night at just about, I mean, like 99% of the Sunday nights, we're going to be in a coffee shop somewhere looking at our calendar, Cheryl and I will. And we'll look at the next two weeks, we'll look at a month out, then we'll look at a quarter out, not because we're awesome, but because we had so much conflict and we figured, hey, we got to fix that or we're not going to enjoy one another. So sometimes just an exchange of information can create conflict. Sometimes uh, the, the fruit of the tree of conflict is connected to our expectations. Now, every single one of us has expectations. We have expectations that we bring to every relationship. Now, those are formed by our family of origin. Um, and we, we learn things in our family. We learn them intuitively. We don't even know we're learning it until later in life. Sometimes our expectations are formed by the media we consume. So you're watching a romantic comedy, and he, he, just, he just knows exactly how to respond to her. And that creates an expectation in your heart. Uh, sometimes they're formed by recent history. So he gets it right for a few months in a row, and then all of a sudden he doesn't. And that's reflecting a, an expectation that has formed. Now, these expectations are often unrecognized. Expectations are like, very often expectations are like a minefield in our relationships because we don't they're unrecognized. We don't even know they're there until someone steps on them and they blow up. And since they're unrecognized, they're often uncommunicated because you didn't know you didn't know it was there. You didn't even know you had that expectation, and so there's no way you could communicate it to someone until they step on the landmine and it blows up. Very often, they're unrealistic. They're just unrealistic. I was listening to someone talk the other day about their relationship and. This phrase came out of her mouth. Well, if he just, if he loved me, he would just know. And I said, no, that's not true. It's not true. Just because someone loves you does not give them a Bluetooth connection to your brain. Like it's just not realistic to expect that. And yet, since our expectations are unrecognized, unrealistic, and so often uncommunicated, they create great opportunity for conflict in our relationships because we don't even know they're there until somebody steps on them. So here's, here's what I would encourage you. If you, have that, if, you, if you realize, okay, that was an expectation I had. It wasn't communicated and somebody stepped on it. Here's what I would ask you to do. I want you to think about, okay, why is that expectation there? Is it realistic? And how can I communicate it in the future? Because it's not fair to hold someone accountable for an expectation you have that you didn't even know you had that you hadn't shared, right? No one wants to be held to that kind of standard. 
Finally, sometimes conflict's created when someone rubs up against wounds in our lives. Now, we all live in a broken world, and we have all been wounded in considerable ways. And sometimes those wounds from our past get rubbed up against in moments, and that leads to conflict. So maybe, um, maybe someone leaves you off a party invitation, or maybe they legit misspelled your email address, and you just didn't get the evite. And that might connect with something deep in you where you felt abandoned or disregarded or always left out. And that, that action that was perhaps benign and not malicious in any way, but that action connects with something deep in your heart that's a real wounded place. And that can lead to all kinds of conflict. And listen, as real as sin is, our wounds are real too. And as sin needs to be repented of, wounds need to be healed. And if we are not giving attention to the healing of our wounds, they will wound us more. A friend of mine says, whatever you don't own ends up owning you. Particularly as some of us kind of get into midlife, like all that stuff starts coming out sideways if we're not really careful. Okay? All this is kind of part of the tree of conflict. We haven't even gotten to what James is going to get to yet, which is the root of it. So we have this fruit of communication and expectation, and, um, and, and then we have this maybe the trunk of the tree of woundedness, and sometimes we legit sin against each other. Sometimes we just do what's wrong to one another. And then at the root of all this, James would say, at the root of all this is three things. What we want, we want something for ourselves and we want it too much. What we think, we think others have what we want and we're going to get it from them. Or third, what we need, because what we want is not what we need, according to James 4. So we're going to jump into James 4 now in verse 1 with what we want. Look at verse 1. He says, What causes quarrels and fights and causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? So he starts with what we want, and we want something for ourselves, and we want it too much. We get that from that word, passions. Now, this word passions is uh, the word we get the word hedonism from. It's a very self-centered word. In other words, what we want is not for the good of others. It's for the good of ourselves. We're, we're thinking only about ourselves in this word, passions. And then there's another sense of the word. So it's not just that we want something for ourselves, but there's a, there's a reality where we want it too much. We, we, we don't just want it for ourselves. We want it in an inordinate way. And that leads to self-centered prayers in verse 3. Look at verse 3 where he says, You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passion. So not only do we want something and not only do we want it too much, but we go to God and say, Hey God, this thing I want that's not you, I want you to give it to me. James says what we want creates or leads to Conflict. That's the first part of the heart of conflict is what we want. And what we want, we want something for ourselves and we want it too much. Second part of the heart of conflict is what we think. 
okay? And what we think is that others have what we want, and so we try to get it from them. Look at verse 2. He says, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. So James is saying the reason for your quarrels is your passion. You want something and you want it for yourself and you want it too much. And then there's a problem in our thinking. We, we desire something we think someone else has. We covet what we think someone else has. And it leads to action. And now James, for James, it escalates quickly in verse 2. You desire and do not have, so you murder. And you're like, whoa, hey, there's a few steps between desire and murder. And I agree. I agree. Okay? But it's possible that James is remembering what his half-brother said in Matthew. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, you have heard it said, do not murder. I say, don't even hate your brother. And so it may be that James is referring to that. Not literal murder, but Jesus' words in Matthew about hate and how that's connected to murder. And what happens is we think we want something, we think someone else has it, and we do what we can to get it from them. And then it leads to coveting, he says. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. All this is leading to conflict. So the first part of conflict is what we want. We want something and we want it too much. Second part of conflict is what we think. We think others have something that we need to have, and so we go after it to get it. The third part of conflict is what we need. It's what we need, and we see that in verse 4. He says, you adulterous people, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. The last part of the heart of conflict for James is what we need, because what we want is not what we need. Now, this word adulterous people is connecting to a whole lot of Old Testament imagery, and it sounds like what it's describing. James is talking about how the people of God relate to God. And he calls them an adulterous people because they ask for God to give them something that's not himself. They go to God and say, God, I really want this, and I want you to give me this. Now, this idea of God's people being adulterous is, goes way back in the Old Testament. In Exodus 32, when God's people build a golden calf, they build a golden calf, and they call this golden calf Yahweh. They say, this is Yahweh who brought you out of Egypt. They have a festival, they worship, they dance around this thing. And then when Moses comes down the mountain and says, what did you do, Aaron? Aaron's answer is, I don't know. I threw some gold in the fire and out came this calf. It's not my fault. Well, what Moses calls that activity where you would create something and attribute deity to that thing, what Moses calls that activity is a great sin. And that Hebrew phrase is where we get the word or the concept of adultery from. And throughout the whole Old Testament, God, there's an analogy where God is the husband and God's people is the bride. And throughout the whole Old Testament, we see God's people saying to God, I don't really want you. 
I want what you can give me. And so when we want things like power, because we see others with power and we, we think, well, they have power, so I want to feel safe and secure and stable like they seem to be. Or maybe they've got prestige and we, we want people to affirm us and to applaud us and they seem to have it and we want that. Or maybe we want praise. We want people to see us and know that we've accomplished something. And we say to God, God, I want that and I want you to give not your, not your love and your grace, but I want you to give me that from those people because that's what I want. And James says, you're an adulterous people. And that, and that issue of adultery, James says, is at the root of our conflict. It's at the root of our conflict. We, he says in verse 3, you ask and you don't receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passion. We're treating God like a vending machine rather than our Savior and Master. And James says, look, what you want we want some, what we want. We want something and we want it really bad. What we think, we think others have what we need. And what we need, we, we really want what we really don't need. James says all this is lying at the root or the heart of conflict. He says, what's causing all the fighting? What's causing all the conflict? It's this, that your passions are at war within you. That's what he says. So how do we apply this? Two things. First, we need to understand that the root of our conflict is rebellion against God. We need to understand that, that yep, yep, there's, there's poor communication, there's expectations, there's, uh, there's wounds and there's sinful realities. There's all these things, but at the root of our conflict is rebellion against God. We, we want something too much. We think others have it and we're going to get it from them. And what we want, we really don't need. And we're treating God like a vending machine to give us something other than him. James says that's at the, at the root of conflict. And we look around and we see others who we think have what we need. And it leads to all kinds of desire in our heart at least all kinds of thought in our mind, at least all kinds of words in our mouths, and then eventually it leads to actions in our lives. The root, the root of our conflict, James says, is rebellion against God. So an important question would be, what does your heart crave today? What does your heart really want? What do you, what do you find yourself longing for? Because that's going to be at the root of your conflict. See, when we're, when we're standing in the bathroom yelling at each other because we're not going to be on, the t- on time, there's something we want by being on time that, that's rooted somewhere. Maybe we don't want to disappoint someone. Maybe we want the praise of people knowing that we're dependable. There, there's something we want that's rooted in that conflict. And then when we're the one going, I don't really care if we're on time, there's something we want there too. There's something there that's connected to something that we need to know what that is because that's at the root of what's going on in our conflict. And we can talk about how to communicate better. We can talk about how to share expectations and we can heal wounds and we can repent of sin. But unless we get at the root of what's going on, we won't really deal with the reality of our conflict. 
And so the second thing, the resolution of our conflict starts with repentance toward God. Since the root of our conflict is rebellion against God, the resolution of it starts with repentance toward him. Now, next week, we're going to talk, or Thursday night, Dr. Marita is going to talk a lot about uh, conflict resolution. Next week, we're going to talk some more about how to heal in conflict, what's necessary, what does James tell us there? But the first step in any of this is going to be repentance. And James shocks us with grace in verse 5, or it should It should shock us in verse 5. He's called us adulterers in verse 4. You adulterous people. And then verse 5. Do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit he's made to dwell in us? what, What James is saying is God, is that our God loves us so much that he yearns jealously over a rebellious, adulterous people. It's, it's, a, it's a horribly insulting image of God, but a beautiful one. It's, it's comparable to the image in Luke 15. You know the story. It begins, and there was a father with two sons. Now, we know it as the prodigal son story. I don't know why it got labeled as that because it starts with there was a father with two sons. But the prodigal goes to his dad and says, I want everything that belongs to me. And he gets the money from the dad. He goes off into a far country and he squanders it. Well, then he realizes my life would be better if I went home as a servant to my father. He goes home and the father who has been watching for him runs to him. Now, older Jewish men did not run. That, that was undignified behavior. They did not do that. But this father of the prodigal runs to him, gets to him, grabs him, embraces him, begins kissing him. The son can't even say his repentance speech because the father is saying, throw a party, get a robe, put a ring on his finger because my son has returned. This is the kind of grace that our God has for rebellious people. And it's such a beautiful reality. And so if we're going to have healing, if we're going to have resolution in our conflicts, it starts with repentance toward a God who loves us this way. He yearns jealously over rebellious, adulterous people, which is really good news because that's who we are. And then James wants us to see the way we get this kind of grace is through the door of humility. In verse 6, he says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The way you and I get this kind of grace is through humility. Now, there's another son in the story in Luke 15. It says that there was an older brother who was out in the field working, and he hears the party happening in his home. And he comes up, and he calls for someone He doesn't go to his dad. He calls for someone and says, hey, what's going on? And the the other servant says, well, your brother came home and your dad threw a party. That's basically what he says. And the father, don't miss this. The father goes to that son too. And the son looks at him and says, I've done everything you've ever told me to do. In other words, I've done this right. I've done it right. And you've never given me even a ram to have a party with my friends. And the father looks at him and says, son, you've always been with me. And everything I have belongs to you. 
but we should celebrate because your, 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 your brother has returned. And that story ends, and we really don't know how the older brother ever responds. We don't know how he responds. We don't know if he responds with humility. We don't know if he responds with pride and anger. What we do know is that James tells us that God gives grace to the humble. And so if we're going to be a people who are facing conflict, and we are, okay, we're going to be in conflict or we're, that's just going to happen as part of life, okay? We're going to miscommunicate. We're going to have unmet expectations. We're going to have wounds that we bump up against. We're going to sin against each other. We've got these, these heart realities that, that are so, you know, so, so difficult to navigate. So we're going to have conflict with each other. The way we resolve that is we first repent. We say to God, God, I've sinned against you. Before, before anyone sinned against me, I sinned against you. And what we get when we say that is a God who loves us in unexplainable ways and a God who wants to shower us with immeasurable grace. And so the resolution of our conflict starts with repentance toward God. And the good news of the gospel is we have a God who loves us and longs to give grace to us. Let's pray to him now. Lord God, we're, we're so grateful for the realities of your word. We're grateful for your lavish love. I mean, it's, it's, it's an almost embarrassing picture that your word paints of the love you have for us. And yet it's glorious. And so, Lord, would you give us eyes to see how much you love us? Would you give us eyes to see how, how you long to give us not what we want, because we don't need what we want, but you long to give us what we really need. You long to give us yourself. And so, Lord, I pray, I pray that as we deal with the conflicts that are inevitable in our lives and in our church and in our world, as we deal with those, Lord, I pray that you would give us a real sense of our uh, our rebellion against you, our sin against you, and that you would give us a real sense of your grace and your goodness to us. Lord, we need that. We want that. And we ask for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>